Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and welcome to another episode of the Make Motherhood Diverse podcast. I am your host, Remy Charday, and welcome to Multiples Week. Uh, so over on the Make Motherhood Diverse Instagram feed, this week we had a woman take over who had triplets. Uh, and if you'd like to see more of her story, just head over and click on the highlight reel that literally just says triplets. And then the second part says triplets too. Um, it was really insightful and a lot of you quite enjoyed it. So I'm glad that you did and thank you for engaging. Now, for this week's episode, we're going to be talking to a mum who has had twins, but they were premature. Her story is quite unique. And when you listen to her interview with me, you will find out a lot more about it. Before we do that, I'd just like to say... Happy Mother's Day, because it's upcoming for all of our stateside listeners. Uh, We haven't forgotten about you. Uh, And in the spirit of Mother's Day in the US, um, there is a woman who is an author called Terry Baker Mulligan, near and dear to my heart, as I also am an author. Well, trying to be sometimes. (laughs) Um, And she has written a book and is releasing it on Mother's Day in the US, which I think is on the 12th this year. And it is called, These Boys Are Killing Me, Travels and Travails with Sons Who Take Risks. Uh, Essentially, the book is about how she managed when both of her very adult sons went on round-the-world backpacking trips. Um, I'll read a bit of her blurb to you so you can get a um, feel of what the story is about. It says... Partly through emails and letters, readers join these explorers in 17 countries on three continents as they pay homage to the sacred sites, bask in the kindness of strangers and discover the beauty in the world and in themselves. Ranging from heartwarming to heart-thumping and oftentimes hilarious, this smartly conceived book also confronts the complexity of parent-child love, including the endangered art of tough love that helps boys become men. So... She's written this book about her experiences of motherhood and her experiences of motherhood, particularly when her children are away from her. Uh, I think it's a very interesting concept because I know that most of the women who engage with Make Mother Diverse have children who tend to be under 10. We do obviously have um, women who are mothers of children who are older, but our main demographic tend to be uh, of mothers with younger children. So I ask those of you with younger children and those of you with older children, what are your opinions or feelings on distance parenting? Uh, And that can include things like when your child is traveling or when you're working away or when you're traveling. um, And how do you think it is possible to parent as effectively? Do you think you can parent as effectively? Do you think that's important? Or, you know, uh, like she said, um, the complexity of parent-child love. Do you think that distance creates changes in a relationship between a parent and child that could be positive or negative? Uh, Personally, I think that distance parenting, depending on the circumstances, can actually be quite healthy. Um, But that also is with only two and a half years of (laughs) parenting expertise. I've not been doing this a long time. Um, So my opinion is subject to change, which is why I've thrown the question out there to all of you. Um, Now we are going to go into the conversation 
with Georgia, who is at Oh Shit Twins. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find it insightful. And I hope that you take something away from it. We are sitting down with Georgia. And your Instagram handle is... Oh Shit Twins. <laughs> Spell how you hear it. <laughs> Why is your Instagram... <laughs> Why is your Instagram handle Oh Shit Twins? Because that was my initial thoughts when I had my first scan and I was told I was having twins because I was going for one but I got two <laughs> so, so yeah basically I know you because because I always say how I met the people that are okay. on this podcast so I thought it was fitting yes. that I do that here I know you because we're family yes <laughs> quite straightforward our mums are sisters mm-hmm. um and I had my daughter about Less than a year before you had your girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, we weren't pregnant together, but we had babies really close, close. together, which yeah. is actually quite nice. It um, is. We, they don't see each other enough, but we see each other enough. And yeah. as mums, that's where the support is necessary. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see without the babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so obviously you have twins. And yeah. how old are they? They are 20 months. 20 months <clears throat> is like nearly two. Yeah, nearly, they're two in June. Okay, 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 okay. And so we are obviously talking to you on the podcast today because you're a twin mum, but mm-hmm. also your story isn't new, isn't unique in the sense that you're a prem mum, but it's unique in how mm-hmm. your premature birthing experience was. Yeah. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about, you know, when you knew that you were going to have them because so, you, you were aware that you were going to have them early? Yes. Um, earlier yes. than the full term. Yeah, yeah. Twins, they, which is 37 weeks? Or 33 or something? Around that, from about 36 weeks, they, okay. they, was, they say um, that they would arrange for a C section, basically. That's the option they were giving me initially. So when you're a twin mum, are you not given the option of an actual birth? Well, this is, well, okay. I used to live in Greenwich. I've moved back to South London, Lambeth. But when I was in Greenwich, um, my local hospital was Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And um, the reason I didn't like that hospital was because I felt like they weren't giving me an option. It literally, I was meeting the consultant. Because once you have twins, you're under consultancy care automatically. Mm -hmm. Um, They were literally telling me, you're going to have a C-section. When I was like, I don't want to, unless I have to. Of course, if it was an emergency, it had to be done. I wouldn't Mm. be disagreeing. But... It was literally you're gonna have a C-section. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to have one because I'm gonna have two babies, not one. Mm. Um, my, I had my, I lived in a masonette flat, had stairs. I was just thinking of all the practicality of having a C-section. Yeah. And even though I was even up in Greenwich, you, King's Hospital is the specialist hospital for twins, mm-hmm. so you end up going there. I was going there every two weeks for a scan, and I was getting a whole different energy there. They're like, yeah, if you want to have a natural birth, as long as the first twin is is face is in the right position head down you can have um a natural birth and it doesn't even matter if the second one is breached as long as the first one is in the right position you can have a natural birth so kind of did something a bit naughty i put mum i said i moved to my mum's <laughs> put my mum's dress down because i really wasn't i was really uncomfortable there um yeah, they I didn't just, make you feel safe did they, they didn't make me feel safe i didn't like it i'll after the first appointment i literally called I was my mum, I was like, I'm not having my babies here. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. I can't. Like, it just made me feel so uncomfortable. So I, I did that. And then I was under Kings. And, um, yeah. That was that bit. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I had all my appointments there. I was already going there, so it made it, it was fine. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. For, I, I worked in Campbell, so going to Kings wasn't like mm-hmm. that major. I was in the area a lot anyway. So yeah. And then, how did you find out that they were gonna come early? Because obviously. I had I had pains. I was having pains. Um, I came in from work. I just felt really sick. Um, having pains, I threw up. Uh, I just thought I caught a bug or something. So I didn't really, I didn't even think anything of it until the next day. I still was feeling really weak, and I was thinking, why are these pains still happening? Um, let me do a quick Google. Let me see if I'm not overreacting. Because I was thinking, should I go to the hospital? Shouldn't I go to the hospital? And then when I Googled, it's like, if you're having pains, call call your the midwife. And I called them up. They're like, okay, if you're having pains, come in. Again, me not taking it seriously. I rocked up there in my maxi dress. It was hot. I didn't I didn't have a baby bag. I just bought my, what's those baby, book, the, you know, your folder. Your, you know the folder that keeps all your records of all your appointments. Oh, and the, the nurse's book. The nurse's book, yeah, yeah. See, you just forget. <laughs> Once you have them, you're like, I don't need to remember any of that. So I had the book. I just rocked up there. In, initially, they were just treating me like I've just been like I was just sick. It wasn't until the doctor came. I said, like, "No, let me check your cervix." Check my cervix. It was open by a centimeter. It was like, "Okay, you're not going anywhere." And you were how far gone at this point? I was 26, 26 okay. weeks. So really early. Really early. So they're like, "You're not going anywhere, and you're not going to leave her until you give birth." So obviously, I started crying then because I was like, what, "Like, what the hell?" Like, I had not even. As I said, I knew they were going to come early, but 26, 27, you're still thinking you've got, yeah. you know, you've got time. And also it's scary because that means that they have a lot of health risks. Yeah, well. of course, of course. Um, and I had banned myself from looking on the internet because initially when I found out having twins, I was online and high risk of this, high risk of that. Oh my God, I had to come off because yeah. it literally everything, it just, it just freaks you out. So, um... I got admitted into hospital. They start giving. They gave me steroids just in case I did go into into labour. They give you. They get, I think they gave me antibiotics to check just just in case if I had an infection. Even you know they take your blood. They do all of those kind of things. Um, but in your mind, I was just in panic. Yeah. Sure, utter panic mode. Um, the pains did eventually stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, I couldn't. Um, because I was, I was pregnant with twins, it was way too high risk to let me leave the hospital. So mm. I stayed there. I was, I think it was like a Wednesday evening I went and I eventually gave birth on a Saturday. Um, but yeah, they tried, they do give you something as well to try and slow the birth, to try and slow it down, which initially worked. But by the time Saturday came, they were like, babies are like, coming. There's nothing, nothing can be done. And then Stop. your birthing experience. Mm-hmm. I know your birth and experience. I know you had some tough bits in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as much as you're comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. because you ended up having a natural birth. Yes, yes, yes. Because I'm you went extremely into early labour. Labour, yeah, yeah. Um, when it literally happened, the doctor because every morning the doctor comes to see you. So doctor came to say, "How are you?" I, was, I literally are fine. I had a great sleep, feeling great, and literally blood came out. So that right, they took me to a different another room like a, a birthing room they checked i was four centimeters dilated i literally was like bawling i was like how because i didn't have any as i said i slept i was feeling great i didn't have any contractions nothing so they were just like the doctor was like okay the babies are coming um explain that the machines they're gonna have to strap me up to to monitor the babies while i'm giving birth um 
explain obviously that they're going to be going into NICU, uh, the incubators, sorry, and going to go and be in intensive care. Um, and this is sorry, I just clocked. They the first time you was given all of this information was when you was in labor. Yes, 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 wow. yes. Because okay. it, the night the night before they were trying to move me because in just in the chance that I was to give birth because I think it was re- Kings was really busy. But no other hospital would admit me because it was too high risk to put me in an ambulance just in case I were to give birth in an ambulance. So they kept me there. But it was obviously when you're when you're going into premature <laughs> when you go into into uh, labour and it's in that situation, it just if it's it's so strange. It just feels like everything is kind of happening around you and you're just in your mind you're just everything is like slow-mo like what they're just just what the hell is going on um the worst part for me of the label was um being strapped to the machines the one of the doctors out there was really reassuring she was like literally saying do i look worried we do this all the time i'm not worried they're a good way they're this that she really tried to reassure me at the time she was lovely but it was not nice being strapped up to two different machines um on the hospital bed not being able to move and just obviously labor's nothing's comfortable about it but trying to just get into some sort of position i couldn't do that because i had a doctor using the sonogram i had the other one checking checking the baby's heart rates and then obviously because the babies are moving there then having to move the the what are those things that pick up the sounds yeah so it was just it, that bit was 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 horrible i did feel extremely restricted um and the labor was it was it was rough it was hard it's it's a it was a very out of body experience but i could i can remember hearing them working on the cots like you could hear them like testing the oxygen i could hear all the sounds but i couldn't see anything because they were just making sure i focused on giving birth mm-hmm. so that was it was oh it was horrible it was horrible it's horrible it's, you just in worry you just worry did you so did you know Obviously, we're going to get onto this in a moment, but mm. did you know when you were given birth that you should expect that the girls were not going to be coming home in a, in a, like, quickly? Yeah, of well... gestational state? Yeah, that was just kind of automatic, really. But there was no conversation about that. Not not then. The, ma- okay. the, main, the main thing was just was just for me to 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 give birth basically mm-hmm. um when ayana which is two and one came out you know naturally you want to hear that cry and i heard a little something so i kept on being like is she okay she's okay and they're like she's fine she's fine you need to focus on pushing the, the next one and once again once she came out in the intensive care court she was gone they just oh. they just take take them to the intensive care it took it was half an hour for me to get um uh, for me to label Azara, which is twin two. Um, I knew it was getting a bit real when the mid my midwife got in my face and was literally like, Georgia, you need to push. We can't help you. She's too small. So she had already tried to position her down. Um, so then it's you you know you find that strength and then she within yeah. her saying that she was out in like a couple of minutes after that. <laughs> but yeah. before that, I was struggling. I just. Because what we would, what I didn't even realize, the contractions stop and start again. So when they stop, oh, when, so when you naturally labor multiples, yeah, you have one set of contractions for yep. one twin, and then next and set, then you get to have another, yeah. Set for another. So they stopped, oh. and then they were kicking in again, and I was just, by then I'm just like, I don't know what the, 
mm, no, I don't know what the hell's going on. What am I doing? I was a bit getting a bit belligerent on the gas in air and just, you know, he starts swearing. Like, <laughs> I wasn't given no pain relief. I was just like, by the but by then, I think they brought out the the epidural paper and gave it to my other half, and he was just like, no, babe, no, no. Like, but by then it was too late anyway. Mm. It was too late, but I was just getting a bit like. You know, you just get a bit crazy, don't you? Yeah, 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 no, you get, get crazy, that. like yeah. you just get crazy. I think I swore at my mum when I was Yeah, in you start swearing, <laughs> you start yeah. getting a bit... Yeah, you get yeah. a bit larry. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. Well, not everybody does, but th- those, but... Are our, those are our familial experiences. <laughs> yeah, but it was, um, it was, it was, that's when I think I was just like, okay, you give that conversation, you yeah. like, come on, Georgia, you just, you just got to push now. And yeah, she was out. Again, same thing, they do whatever they're doing they put them straight in the intensive care cot and um they're gone and it's mad because they literally go from a room f- full of maybe oh my god i had maybe eight to ten people in the room to silence. once silence and it's so deafening and it's the most weirdest feeling ever because there's i think i think that's what the main thing that shocked me is the hormones in your body how much you give birth and it's like where's 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 my babies I think that for me was something that really I struggled with for a long, long time because, I, and another thing, when this situation happens, I was looking back, I was just in shock. I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I gave birth. The midwife was like, Georgie, you did amazing. Um, and I just sat up and they took me off the bed and put me on a chair and I just sat there and I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm waiting to see my babies. And they were like, no, it's going to take hours, have a shower, have a, have a, you know, relax a bit. Um, luckily the room where I was had the uh, ensuite bathroom so I just went, had a shower, had a bath not very long on, came out and was just 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 sitting there kind of waiting and I didn't get to see them till late, about 8, 9 o'clock in the evening and I gave birth the yeah, right? I gave birth about, uh, Zara <clears throat> came out at 2.33 so it was, a, it was a long wait and that's not a usual wait period but because they were so busy they couldn't let me up there because it just wouldn't have been right. Apparently, they literally even had like babies in the passageway in the incubator. Things like it was that manic that day. So, and then when I go up there, then I'm finding out that one of them has to go to St Thomas's. So this is a really important part. Yeah, this like, is this, this really is terrible. this is really important. And I remember, you know, that this is probably one of the hardest parts for you. Was mm. you gave birth. Mm-hmm. and obviously you had to wait quite a long time to see them mm-hmm. and then the same day or not even the same day the yeah, same yeah. time that yeah. you met them mm-hmm. then you were told that one of your twins was going to be transferred to a different hospital yeah yeah because what because there is a specific reason like you there explained it i think there before. was there wasn't enough out of all the oh that was out of all the babies that have been born with complications she was the strongest one to to go to go be moved into another another hospital they were i don't know if i get i know they were busy but they really didn't want to tell me so um it was to hear looking back now i I don't think i even reacted because i think by then i was just i think i was just in a state of like shock like so you're just you're going along with things but you you just feel like you have no control everything just seems to be happening you just you literally feel like everything's happening around you're just there so I remember them telling me, and I was just like, oh, um, 
um, and what well, this is when I have now gone up there I've not been in um, a NICU before I've never seen babies in real life with all the tubing and the wiring so it, the nurses and stuff were talking to me I could like, literally as soon as I walked out of there I couldn't remember anything they had said to me mm. other than the fact that one of them was being moved um, to St Thomas's and it was going to happen later on that evening so I think it happened maybe like some crazy hour one or one or two in the morning is when um they came down to the ward and told me that that she was being moved were you on the labor ward yes yes so like could you 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 were with women who had... no luckily they they put me in a, in the ward with other women that didn't have their child so okay another okay. Uh, yeah they that was pretty considerate. It didn't always stay that way because obviously hospitals and beds, space yeah. and whatever. But when I first was down there, um, the woman across from me, her her son was um, in intensive care and it was basically everyone in there had complications. But I think by the spark, I gave birth on a Saturday, but by Sunday evening, that had changed. There were people in there with um, their babies and I was ready to get get the hell out of there. I was you can swear, it's fine. Oh yeah, no, I was ready to. I was ready to get out of there because that was that was hard. That was hard yeah, to hear. Course. That was heartbreaking to hear. So um, I was ready to leave Monday. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And then, I mean, this was the beginning of your your parental journey. This yes. was the beginning of your yep. parental journey. Mm-hmm. Your parental journey included you being a prem mom and also being a multiple mom, and yep. your babies essentially living in different places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um how how was the logistics of being a twin mum when your girls were separated and in the NICU so did you practically did you have to um schedule your time when it came yeah. to feeding them and, and like <clears throat> all of these things and yeah learning? it was it was it was just a nightmare if I'm honest um it was just a nightmare because you already have that sense of guilt that your children are not with you your body feels like it's craving your children because your body has gone through labor and there's no payoff like emotion like you're physically yeah, i think that skin to skin yeah and, none of that and then these are the things you read that you know is important but then, then you know you can't physically do that with your babies because they're too small um so logistics of um them being in two separate hospitals was that i would go to both hospitals because i felt too guilty i could not go to one and not and not the other mm. and then of and then also you're encouraged to start expressing because that is the best breast milk is the best thing for premature babies because um they find it's more difficult to digest formula at that stage obviously they would have still been in your room yeah so they encouraged as soon as i had given birth i think by yeah gave birth on saturday sunday they had a lady come down but you know, like, but but how must that start the massaging on your breast to get your breast ready to to go on a pump? So um, when when your milk comes in, I think my milk didn't come in for a couple of days. But once you start pumping, and that's another thing, I was literally bouncing between the hospitals, dropping off breast milk. Wow. Um, when I was in the hospital, you know, other half family would do it, and then when I was discharged, I was. I, I was doing because I wanted to see because remember now I, when Azaria got put in St Thomas's um, I had seen her that short period when I'd gone up to the NICU saw her said was able to say bye to to her before she went to the hospital and then until I get discharged I hadn't, I hadn't seen her so it was a couple of days 
So okay. yeah, because obviously I'm in I'm in the hospital. I wasn't. So I wasn't you could just only see Ayana. Yeah, I could only just go up and see because obviously we're still in the same hospital. So yeah. it was it was just hard. It was hard. It was hard. But looking back, I didn't even. I couldn't. At that time, I couldn't even give you an expression of how I felt. I didn't even know. I was mm. just mm. confused and just. I had so many things. You just have so much stuff racing through your head. Um, Do you think there was enough support for? I don't know if it's parents. Um, well, yeah, prem parents because some twin parents last until uh, full term. So, do you think there's enough support for um, new parents as well who are having premature babies? No, um, but then it's hard to because everybody everybody's different. Um, I did see people making relationships, like mums making relationships with with people in the NICU. I wasn't, I'm not that kind of person. Okay. I'm not that kind of person that's randomly going to just, especially not in, um, like extreme circumstances like that. I was, I'm blessed. Um, my mum was amazing. I had friends that were amazing. Um, that literally would come and sit in the hospital with me because it's lonely. It's so lonely. It's so lonely because no one, unless you specifically know someone's gone through it, nobody understands what you're, what you're going through. Um, it's, it's just, I think, I think it's lonely, it's extremely isolating, it's extremely isolating, because even to this day, there's things that if you've given birth, even if you had a bad birth, if you got to hold your baby, I don't know what that feels like, Mm. I don't, I can't, I can't, I don't have that, um, common, like, common, you know, common ground, common ground with a majority of mothers, Mm. so certain conversations, I'm just, in if I'm around other moms, I'm not. I don't have anything to say because I didn't experience that. It wasn't. Um, my introduction to motherhood wasn't nice. It was extremely traumatic. It was because you go through the you go through the emotions of blame. You start backtracking all you think. Have you done anything? What made me go into labour early? Mm. Even though I knew they were going to come early, twenty seven weeks obviously is very very. It's, it's you're on the extreme premature range. So. Um, oh, how um, heavy were they when they were born? Oh God, nine hundred and something grams. They weren't even a pound. Um, they should we add very healthy girls? Yes, now? they're doing good. Oh my lord, they're stressing me out. <laughs> they're very um, active and healthy girls. Oh now. my God, we're at the toddler, the the that you know they can't communicate. So everything is a cry and a whinge, and yeah, wow. <laughs> but Oof. did you did you um ever have to did you ever have to have a conversation with anybody about them not getting to be a hundred percent health? I don't know what the the way the 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 right phrase is for that, but like mm-hmm. like you know when you have premature babies, sometimes there are things like their lungs might be underdeveloped. Yeah, so yeah. Was well, there a concern that they might not? literally every to be honest in the beginning they don't really tell you anything they just kind of tell you like um you know what all the machines do um they do give you literally every time you go in hospital you're getting an update um the main thing initially was waiting for my milk to come in they they until that time they give them donor milk which okay. is women that have donated their breast wow, milk. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it, it was. And they asked you for consent. You signed, which I did sign. I didn't have no issues with that. Um, and I was kind of, I was thinking, wow, like there's some amazing women out there 
that don't even know what they've done for your what family. they've done yeah yeah oh it's getting me emotional oh george <laughs> do you think that do you think that there is um enough awareness around the i guess the the premature birthing experience and the fact that it is something that is very much reliant upon other other mums and other professionals and stuff like that i think i think they're trying to because but i think they i don't oh i don't know i think there there is within the medical field but outside of that no no if i'm if i'm honest and as we all know nhs cutbacks and you know when they got when they got discharged from hospital you're still under consultancy care really yeah 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 is that because they're not just because yeah yeah and it's it's just always always to check that how they're developing how they're developing so um when they got eventually did get discharged they were five pounds which again is still tiny yeah compared to i I remember meeting them (laughs) my baby yeah and i I didn't hold them the first three or four times i met them and i was a small everybody everybody was that no way they're too small they're too small yeah and people had children before like these people like my family and friends had they're like no 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 no, yeah they were just so precious yeah and so tiny and and also not even that as as a mum myself i understood that i didn't understand what you had been through yeah 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 and so I didn't even want to hold them for a minute longer than yeah. And you also, and this is the thing because you know I mean? yeah, because it's like you literally go through when you're in hospitals. Every day is weight gain. Um, if they, you know, making sure they go in the toilet. Um, you know how they, you know, if there's any, they do a million and different scans and whatever. Check how their brains developing and stuff. So you're getting all updates of that. So once they kind of because i'm extremely lucky because even though my girls were premature i didn't have any additional complications so i'm i know even within that i'm i'm blessed because there were other people in the hospital that were ha- their babies were having surgery the other i was in the hospital when somebody when a family got told their child had died wow so that's what i'm saying it's such an intense environment um and you know emotions flare sometimes i know for me by the because basically the the girls were in two separate for a week i know by the end of that week i kind of did lose it on one of the nurses because there's sometimes that was with premature um the experience sometimes you feel like they're not consulting you they're kind of doing things around you and that's when i lost it because they kind of tell you that we only call you when something has gone wrong so when you see kind of see a private number again you 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 panic so i got a call um, f- uh, while I was in the hospital, while I was in Kings, um, I got a call to say that Azaria was on her way, but but because I saw the the, the private number, I, I yeah, literally you just go into panic mode. Mm. But what frustrated me was that I was in the hospital. Um, they they said that yeah, we've contacted Kings; they're already on their way, so it's already been arranged. But if I'm sitting in Kings, why didn't no one? tell me while I'm there because I've been there for some time that oh Azaria's on her way why did it have to wait for the for St Thomas's to call me but I think it's just because of by the end of that week I'd been bouncing between two hospitals I was exhausted people telling me oh you need to rest you've just given birth how the 
fuck can I rest? Yeah, I couldn't rest. Two so in two, two separate, separate hospitals, there was no rest. So I'd literally wake up, get ready, trying to eat something, and figure out wh- whichever hospital I'm going to first. Luckily, they were, luckily they're only a bus ride away, so I could go to one, jump on the bus, go to the other. It's so mad though that in your first week of mother, yeah. she was on a bus. Yeah, I was just like bus in between like, because wow. St Thomas's um was in central London. Like, well, not central, sorry. It's not central London, but in the congestion zone. So I wouldn't, dri- I couldn't drive. Parking is, like, through the roof. So um, I couldn't drive. So I would either get the train from mine to St. Thomas's or I'd do it the other way around. Mm. Um, it, luckily, on weekends, you, I could drive or whatever. But it was it was mad. So that by that time, I, I did lose it. I lost yeah. it a bit because I was just like, I'm sitting here. You could have just said to me, oh, Azara's coming now. I didn't yeah. have to see the phone call, get myself all panicked before I'd press like accept the call so yeah but um it's it's a very intense intense environment it's very very intense and then also like just to change up gears for a second Mm. i know you just mentioned something which is um the congestion charge was through the roof you've explained to me that there is something to do with when you have a child as a prem parent, your mm. maternity leave doesn't change. Yes, because so I'm going to write a blog about, yeah. Right, um, so, so you're going to write about this, but yeah. I know that we've spoken about it and I wanted to make There are now. charities now basically trying to petition the government to give extended maternity leave to parents that, give, that, give, that have premature babies because obviously um, I'm, I'm, I was, well, I am technically a public sector worker. So I got... <coughs> I think it's like six months full pay and then it starts dropping down to the minute it gets down to statutory or whatever. And can you just explain to people, some people won't understand why it's important for people with prem babies to have extended Because, okay, so let's let's break it down. So I've got, I've got a year of maternity leave. The first three months of my maternity leave, I was going back and forth to hospital. I wasn't at home. Um, my motherhood technically physically of me actively doing the everyday task did not start until my till my girls came home um up until that point obviously they were in ho- their own hospital um so the rest of then of my maternity leave you're you you do feel like you're doing catch-up as well as your children are then deemed as okay the not delayed but they're, they're certain development that is going to be delayed because they were born earlier so you're constantly going to doctor's appointments, checking that they're developing at their at their t- at their pace, but not it's not so delayed that there might be an issue. So basically, I remember you explaining to me, and I did some research on this mm-hmm. earlier on. Premature babies are um, assessed at their gestation age, age, yes, not not their, their real n- age, yes, yes. So, so everything they were born at twenty seven weeks instead of. 37 weeks mm-hmm. which means that they were two and a half months, months to the, yeah. gestationally early uh, early so then every time they're they're assessed they're they're assessed minus minus my, yeah minus right. their actual birth age so it's it's just it's it is like motherhood is tough but when you have that experience to know that um because legally your your maternity leave starts the day after you give birth whereas yeah whereas when you give birth like you pick when you go on maternity leave most people try and work for as long as possible before they go so they're so you're going back to work more towards the time that they're you know one or whatever but yeah my maternity leave started the day after they've given birth and you just don't get that time back and i do agree with the charities because 
looking back now, I didn't feel I'm again I'm blessed that my the grandparents our parents stepped in mm. for childcare because I would not have I would not have left them in a nursery because even though they were coming onto one you remember the yeah. one they were just sitting up they were just mm-hmm. about trying to crawl they were they're tiny you're constantly by then by the time they get to one obviously I'm a lot more they're a lot more sturdy but when you come out of hospital your main concern is that they don't get sick because the readmission of premature babies is quite high. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're warned um, about getting them getting sick and keeping... I literally, I kept them in the house for about two to three months. I would go out, but they ne- they didn't they didn't leave the house. Um, yeah, because I was just Is that advisable more... in general? I mean, not as in I'm questioning but, you, but I'm saying, is that what people advise you to do, or was that your uh, just personal I, I think choice? that was my that was more that was my personal choice. They mm. do they do advise it. They do um, it's, depending on the time you come out. If you come out of hospital, if you're coming out like you know when it's starting to get more chilly, October, to, you know, to December, winter, mm. they do advise you to to keep them in because it's cold season. Yeah. All it, once one bad someone sneeze on your child and give them. A bad cold if you if your premier babies had lung issues or whatever um that is not that's not gonna that's not gonna work so i just didn't take any chances and i just kept them in for Fair as enough. long as possible um yeah so and then also being a mum of multiples now mm-hmm. they're older yep in general, how are you finding it? <laughs> oh my god, it is this this this. I think now I'm feeling it more. But when they were okay, obviously when they're young, the the sleep deprivation and stuff is 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 tough. But at least you can just plop them in, plop them somewhere, go off and come <laughs> back. They're still there. Now, wow, man, my patience is being tested. <laughs> wow, it's like people look at me. You know, you like they like, especially when. I'm in the park and I need to put them in the pram or I take them to a group and they don't want to leave and they're both going off or they're, they're both running in the opposite direction because they both don't want to get in the pram. <laughs> Bribery at the moment is my friend. Do you feel like you're a little bit outnumbered sometimes? Uh, all the time. I have, to, like, I have to have snacks. I have to have snacks all the time. That's the only way I get them in the pram. Really? Ayanna, because she loves food. Literally, I go... <laughs> Yum 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 yum. She's like yum yum, and she runs <laughs> to the pram and tries to climb into it because she knows that that I'm gonna give give her some food. Yeah. The other one, Azara, is our alley cat. We just call her the alley cat. <laughs> she that one right there. I can like wow, yeah. You you you're tested. You're the one that tested me. And you, I remember you said to me um, recently that you feel like you might have to raise them differently. I know that a lot of people might assume that when you have multiples, you can kind of raise them the same way, even though no, they have their own individual personality. I can see it. Azaria and, and Diana, that I can already tell Azaria has no fear whatsoever. And Diana is a little, little bit more, she thinks more. Or more when cautious. we say no, when I give, when you give her the firm no, she literally looks and then puts her head down and, either keeps it down or starts crying. Azara oh. just looks and laughs and runs off in the opposite direction. So I'm like, wow, so we're going to have to figure out how this discipline with you two is going to work yeah. because clearly <laughs> for Azaria, she doesn't give two shits. She looks at me like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Maybe it's because her sister's there to like help as no. a buffer. Well, do they talk to each other as well? They do, they do. That's cute, and they they do cute little things where if one's crying, the other might try and console her. Oh, 
um, it's more, and that's another thing, it's more Ayana. It's quite clear Ayana is the more caring, considerate twin. She literally. <laughs> you make Azaria sound like a. No, no, like it's like like a a a thing is, She is, she is. But Azaria is lovely, but I, it's it's just obvious. It's just not, it's just, it's crazy because they've obviously, they're in the same house, they do the same thing, but Ayana is the more considerate twin. Mm. She'll try and go and hug. Azara and Azara is widening and it, and that doesn't help. She gets more louder. Oh, she no. doesn't like when Azara's having her moment. You have to give her the moment and let her have it and let her calm herself down. There's mm. just no point. Um, but they do little cute things like that. Or when one's crying, the other one will run off, go and find the dummy, bring it and put it in oh. one's mouth. The cute little things. Like that, I'm like, oh, this is this is sweet. This is like oh, but yeah, we're having we're ha- I'm having some days. I'm like. One more question before we round up, because this conversation has been so informative. Yeah. A common question that most mums get asked yes. is, do you want to have more kids? And I already know the answer to yours. I already know that. Yeah. But um, how, in fact, no, I have two questions. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to a prem mum? Because I know there's a lot of it's going to be okay. And I remember yeah. um, you saying that's the worst thing you could say to yeah. somebody. And then also, um, how do you feel when people ask you, if you're having any more children when you know what you've been through i think i think if a friend or whoever that you're close to family if they're going through this you'll be surprised or the simplest task i think it's more if you want to show support like do something make them a meal go ask them if they need to do if you need um to buy their food shopping like things like that because literally your one track mind is I need to be in the hospital. Everything outside of that goes out the window. Like I was, I didn't gain any weight until I was at home with them because I was too busy trying to bounce between hospitals. I wasn't worrying about what I was eating. Like I tried that. Like you you do try and cook because you realize okay I need to. I'm I'm expressing, mm. but just those things. Everything just goes out the window. You just have a very one track mind. So I think with talking, you just you just have to listen and trying and avoid the cliches like like the plague um <laughs> avoid the cliches like avoid the plague. everything's gonna be all right and just 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 be like i'm here for you and and i can't, can't imagine what you're going through but i'm here for you what do you need what do you need me to do um and if they sometimes and you might not even be able they might be so frazzled because i was at the point sometimes points where i was frazzled you could literally just be okay i'll come to see you at the hospital and you've brought a sandwich or things you know just 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 things like that if you can have time to go and just go in the hospital, sitting in the hospital is is a very isolating um, experience. There's, mm. there's, there's there's no fun. Your whole life stops. So you're just there in the hospital every and, day. And then how do you feel about when people ask you? Oh my about, God. About it depends on where I'm at and where I'm at on my menstrual cycle. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm just like my normal self, I'm just like, okay. And depending as well, if they know a lot of the backstory, I look at them like, I want to say, like, why on God's earth are you asking me this question? <laughs> yeah. Like, give me a moment to, like, <laughs> process yeah. and gather myself. Like, I've got twins. It is intense right now. Mm. So that's usually what I'm thinking. If people don't, if people don't know, then I kind of just like, oh, okay. I get that a lot. Oh, you need to go for the boy. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Why do I need to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, like, these children need to grow up. It's a lot, like, it's intense. With twins, it's intense. Do you think there's anything about being a mum of multiples or a prem mum that um, 
more people should know or understand? I think, I think with the Prem Mum thing, you, you, it's it's quite difficult to say. Uh, other than the fact that there's just an experience. If you've got to hold hold your baby, no matter how bad you might have thought your birth with, you, you, you've had a better experience than I have. Mm. So it's just, I guess, just being aware of that. And it's just mainstream motherhood is like, you're not, other than like the news or if it's something, as I said, like a charity talking about it, you're kind of not really a part of the conversation mm. when it comes to like new motherhood and stuff. It's all that, oh, I've given birth and let's talk about your rap or this and that and there's just a lot of stuff i feel i can't it's just it, that experience for me it wasn't fun it wasn't fun i'm not gonna front like it was a lovely experience it wasn't it was horrible so it's something that i just have to accept that it was not it was a horrible experience but obviously my girls are um well and alive there's people that go for the experience and you know blessings um but there's people that go for the experience and their children are not here so i'm i'm, I'm blessed because of that mm. so you know, you you got to work on it. But you do feel robbed. There's a part of you that feels like you've missed out on the ideal or whatever you thought in your head was going to be your start of motherhood. You don't have it. Well, Georgia, thank you for sitting down to talk to us. Might I add, before we go, you yes. wrote a blog post. I did. For World Prematurity Day, which is actually coincidentally my daughter's birthday, which is the 17th, 17th. of November. Yes. And um, it is a blog post about your daughters and I think it's called Without Hope There Is No Faith. Yes. And that's because... That's their middle. They've got... Um, it's Ayana, um, Ayana Hope and Azaria Faith. That's okay. Their, so yeah. those are their middle names and yeah. that can be found at the makemotherhooddiverse.com webpage. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to find Georgia and follow her adventures with her beautiful girls and their head wraps <laughs> which are always popping... <laughs> Um, they're always in some kind of a turban. Um, um, where will we find you? Um, oh shit, twins says O H shit twins. <laughs> and that's on Instagram. Um, I have a blog as well. What's your blog, George? Same names. Everything is the same name. So oh shit twins dot com. Yes. I hope you found the chat with Georgia quite insightful. I know I did. Uh, there will be a blog post going up from another multiple mum. And that will be going up on the Make Motherhood Diverse webpage tomorrow. And the date of tomorrow is the 10th of May. If you keep an eye out on the uh, Instagram feed, that's where we post all of our updates when it is to do with the podcast or the webpage or the Instagram feed takeovers. And if you'd like to contact us, remember that for podcast um, inquiries, I guess I should call it, you can email me at mmdpodcast at gmail.com if you would like to submit to the instagram webpage then you can send that submission to make motherhood diverse at gmail.com if you would like to see our webpage then that is www.makemotherhooddiverse.com to find me i am at books baby and back on instagram and i recently launched a new website and that is remyshade.com all very straightforward and simple. Now I'm going to close the episode with something which affects all of us to some degree on some level at some point in our motherhood journey and that is maternity leave. Uh, The lady who we are hearing a story of has decided to take some more proactive steps to see the changes that she would like to come about. So we're going to have a listen to her 
and I will speak to you all very, very soon. A third of hiring bosses discriminate against women who could be having children soon or a similar number say the same for women with young children. During my maternity leave, I had the opportunity to speak to loads of women. Some women who felt trapped because their maternity policy was incredibly restrictive and had they been aware, previously there was a strong chance that they would have never accepted the job. On the other hand, I began to hear loads of positive stories of employers doing some great things to support parents-to-be and parents. It was clear that these men and women worked for incredibly supportive organisations, but thought to myself, why is this not more widely known? I had this incredible burden that more women and men should know that these companies exist and to hear the opinions from parents and mums-to-be who work there. It was obvious that there was an immense encouragement and power in these diverse experiences and they needed to be brought together and communicated to all. I couldn't help but to think how powerful it would be to have some platform where someone could read the experiences and opinions of parents-to-be and parents in the workplace. Now, I'm not your obvious advocate of the cause. I don't have a huge budget behind me or a slick development team. I'm a working mum. All I have is a willingness and a boldness to help more women and men find the right organisation for them and their families without facing unconscious bias or discrimination. The freedom to choose without existence of corporate veils. And that was written by my bump pay. Thank you for listening to the Make Motherhood Diverse podcast.